This is the River Radius, a cultural nexus of rivers, people, and boats. I am your host, Sam Carter. Welcome. If my guide crew came to me and said we're now part of a union, I would say fantastic. What can we do to work together to make guiding and therefore outfitting more sustainable in the long run and better for our guests who are ultimately paying all of our wages? This episode comes to you from our contributing host, Greg Cairns. Greg built this episode about river guide unions because he is an active river guide in Idaho and has heard stories about union attempts in the past and is curious about the options for future river guides. Please welcome River Radius contributing host Greg Cairns. You've probably heard the term paid in waves. It's well known in the river guiding and whitewater industry that the pay isn't good, that we're paid in experience. I say we because I'm still a guide on the middle fork of the salmon in central Idaho. In the early days of river guiding, guides were often only compensated with food, shelter, community, and memorable experiences. Today the pay's gotten better, but the cost of living is much higher than it was in, say, 1970. Guiding has gotten harder to justify as a career. It's gotten harder to take care of ourselves financially and still do this work. In other industries, workers sometimes work together to negotiate for better compensation and working conditions. We often call these unions or associations. Both have mostly eluded our industry. Today's episode is a collage about why unions are attractive to river guides, why they aren't common, and what, if anything, we as guides can do to improve our working conditions. This won't be comprehensive, but it's a start. There will be some discussion about healthcare insurance later in the episode. We're not healthcare experts, and we're not giving anyone advice on it. Okay, said. Act 1 is about one guide's attempt to improve his company and crew's working conditions by starting a union. Uh, my name is B.C. Rambeau. I've been uh, running rivers since 1973. That's when I first started as a commercial river guide in California. We were running the Stanislaus and the Tuolumne, and uh, I would occasionally go up to the uh, South Fork of the American, too. And then spent the next four summers up in uh, Idaho running the Middle Fork, Maine, Salmon, and, um, and the Selway. What companies did you work for? Um, American River Touring Association. Uh, that's who I worked for my, my whole, uh, I guess it was eight-year career. Everybody calls it ARTA. In the winter of 77, 78, um, or early season, let's say May of 78, we were paid in Idaho by the number of days of a commercial river trip. So if it was a five-day trip, we got paid whatever the daily rate was for five days. And if it was a six-day trip, we had six days worth. And I think the pay range back then was probably in the $40, you know, 40 $45 a day for a regular boatman as opposed to a lead guide. Lead guide maybe got $5 more a day. We also had to spend quite a bit of time on the day before the trip getting the trip ready to go. We had to drive from Salmon, where we were headquartered, Salmon, Idaho, and drive through Stanley and down to the uh, put-in on the Middle Fork. That, to our knowledge, wasn't covered that was just part of a five or six day trip. 
that was one of the things that kind of graded on the guides. Another unpaid section was on a Maine salmon trip, and this would go for the Selway too. It was a long drive back. You'd have to do the takeout, roll up the rafts, get all the equipment on the trailers and the trucks, and head out and drop some passengers at, uh, at the airstrip on the way out, and then drive all the way around over Lolo Pass and back south to, uh, to Salmon. And typically, it, we, we couldn't make that trip the same day as our, uh, as our takeout. We'd pull over in a campsite or something and just uh, spend the night, go on in the morning, and then unload everything later on, clean everything. And it was sometime early afternoon by the time we were done and we were on our day off. So that also wasn't covered. But the other, the other part that played a role was that um, ARDA was run by a board of directors in Oakland. It's not like they were river runners or had a history of it. They were friends of Lou Elliott's. And they had no interaction with the crew out on the river or any of the crews. And there was kind of a disconnect. And a letter got sent to the board. It asked if the Idaho guides could sit in on a board meeting uh, when Idaho wages were being talked about and to provide any input. We took a lot of pride in what we, in the trips that we ran. You know, from that pride, we said, you know, we're, we're an important part of this company, but we don't get a sense that there's anybody in Oakland that cares, cares what we think, cares how we feel. It was that, it was that lack of contact that started us down this road. And really, it was because of that lack of interaction that they were willing to have with us that pushed us towards organizing. Today's episode is sponsored by the Denver area Nissan dealers. Right now, I'm driving my Nissan Frontier long bed four-door truck with a camper shell. We're on a 6% grade climbing uphill. Three dudes in the truck, bed full of gear, pulling a trailer with three boats stacked, all the gear, and we are just climbing. This Frontier has a nine-speed transmission, super smooth, uphill shifting, real steady climbing. Roads are slick, truck's holding great. It's just really comfortable, safe, strong boating truck. You can find your Denver area Nissan dealers online at www.nissanusa.com. This episode is also sponsored by several local businesses at the Dolores River. If you are coming to the Dolores River this season, I personally invite you to these local shops in Cortez and Dolores, Colorado. We have excellent places for you. Dolores Food Market in Dolores is a full grocery store with a fresh deli and a produce cooler, snacks, sandwiches, ice cubes, and blocks of ice. Come see Linnea in Dolores. 
The Dolores River Brewery in Dolores, also known as The Pub, is home of wood-fired pizzas and a variety of food options with a full tap of beers brewed in-house. They have perfect outdoor seating. Come see Mark in Dolores. Montezuma Mexican Restaurant in Dolores is located right on the Dolores River with the best outdoor riverside seating. Their street tacos are great and they have a full bar. Come see Juan in Dolores. Thanks for shopping local and supporting our economy here at the Dolores River. There are links to all of their businesses in the show notes. And tell them the River Radius sent you. So it was, I think it was in June of 78 when a letter went around to the Idaho guides, the Idaho ARTA guides, uh, saying sign, sign this uh, letter if you would like to create a guides association. I think the number was 22 guides signed it, and maybe there were seven others that just weren't around at the time. But at the time, we, you know, we didn't have to jump through any hoops and you know, say, oh, we need to check with the government. We can't just have an association. Well, actually, you can. So that was the beginning of it. As an aside, I mean, I can speak for the Idaho Arctic Guides, but that same summer, the Arta Guides in Oregon and the Idaho Guides in northern Utah that were on the Ampa and Gates of Lador, they all created their own guides associations in those, uh, in those areas, which was fascinating. So the only thing that really happened that the rest of that summer uh, was that we went through the official NLRB, I don't know what it was, a registration. They set up a date to vote on what kind of union we wanted to be. And that was set for the next summer. Nothing really happened until the, until the off-season when we were just before the season started in 79. That's when it was leading up to a July vote. We knocked it around amongst ourselves. There were letters that went back and forth, phone calls. And the choices came down to, well, do you not want to be part of a union? Or do you want to just have our own independent guides association, just like we are? And the third option, and this came about, I don't know how we made the connection, but Twin Falls had a a local Teamsters organization. And they were happy to help us out. I think everybody, most people wanted to have an organization we'd experienced But the problem comes when, if you're unaffiliated and you're independent, now you've got to handle the bookkeeping of an organization. You've got to have somebody handling dues, if there are dues, which of course, if you're gonna try to send somebody to Oakland to sit in on board meetings, you know, there's a cost, there's, are there going to be labor negotiations? Well. Is somebody going to do that? Do they have any training? How's that going to work out? 
it was those details that that the Teamsters were willing to take over. Now, if there were other organizations like the Teamsters, but that didn't have the baggage that the Teamsters had, we'd probably do that, do, do something other than the Teamsters. But they were the ones who were there. They had stepped forward and said, we, we can handle that. We will negotiate for you. We voted to join the Teamsters. So how did things change after that? They didn't. Nothing happened for the rest of the season. In the off season, we heard later from the Teamster representative. He talked with the ARTA board. They weren't willing to do anything. They would say, well, we'll have to, uh, we'll, if you have something to say, if you want, we will run it by our attorneys and uh, get back to you. And of course, they didn't get back. And as it turned out, that was a pretty effective route to take against guides was just stonewall them because they are not going to take this to the mat. They're not, they're not going to go to court. They're not going to, let's just see if this will die out. And it did. So 1980, nothing changed. We're, we're coming to terms with the ineffectiveness of an organization of guides. The Teamster rep said they didn't do anything, so the only thing left is for you guys to strike. <laughs> yeah, right. We like what we do here. And basically that's the flaw in guides organizing. We went into it thinking we could make a better company out of this. Well, that's not enough. If you go <clears throat> the route of organizing into a union, then you'd better be ready to do what it takes to get your demands. I mean, gosh, we didn't have demands. We had suggestions. We wanted to change things, but it was never in the, in the, at the level of a demand. Um, just as an aside, uh, the Oregon group that organized, they had a season in 1978 when the water was low. Turns out they had just finished a dam upstream and they were starting to fill the reservoir. It was going to take a number of years, but it meant that the flow downstream on the Rogue was going to be lower. And what it did was um, it created quite a hazard at the toughest rapid on that river, Blossom Bar. They, they actually did demand something. They said, we're, we are going to walk out if we don't get some help with this because we think this is unsafe. Because of that threat, Arda immediately subcontracted to other, to other uh, rafting companies that, the rest of that season and the next in Oregon. That was it. Guys were out of work. In the, I think it was in July of uh, 1980, a fellow uh, who had been put on the crew called for a meeting of the union of the Arta Idaho Guides Association, called for a vote to basically end the union. 
And I heard when I got off the river that uh, they had voted to decertify. The union was gone. So I think most of us in our minds had given up on the idea. The thing that shocked me more than anything was this person that I didn't know at all showed up and called for another, uh, called for a, a meeting and uh, got it decertified. I understand that he act, he um, owns and operates a, a river company now. That was the last season that I worked there. I was told, oh, well, we didn't know if he wanted to come back, so there's no room for you now. We've signed up a full crew, but if we do have any space during the season, um, we'll put you on the list to give you a call if we got room. I understood pretty well why it was worded that way. Too bad we've already got a full crew. I felt like it was, it was fine. It was time to go. And I certainly wasn't going to get a lawyer and analyze it to see if I had some grounds to fight it. Uh, again, you know, that's, that's not why I'm involved in river running. I'm not going to spend my time doing that. That's BC Rimbo. For another perspective on unions, next up we hear from the president of the Middle Fork Outfitters Association, Dustin Ahern. I'm Dustin Ahern, owner of Idaho River Adventures a multi-day rafting company that operates on the middle fork of the salmon and the main salmon river here in Idaho. I employ, I would say, 16 full-time guides, so full-time being three-month employment during the winter months, 16 of them, and then some support staff, um, help around the warehouse, drivers, that sort of thing. I've been a river guide um, sneaking up right up 30 years now, and I owned this rafting company since 2011, so about 12 years. So, yeah, it's an interesting uh, position for me to be in, whereas I can still fully grasp the guiding uh, aspect of it. And then now as a business owner, having more understanding of the financial aspect of outfitting and guiding and, you know, what, what would need to happen for more benefits to come to the guide in terms of pay and other things like that. So I'm the uh, president of the Middle Fork Outfitter Association, the trade group that represents 27 special use permittees on the Middle Fork of the Salmon River. Um, we're a very active group of people in working with federal agencies, um, state agencies to not only protect the use of the Middle Fork of the Salmon as it pertains to the commercial outfitters, but also for all river users the non-outfitted public, and then um, we're, we get heavily involved with national issues. And a lot of times our outfitter association will be used as kind of a, I don't know what you call it, guinea pig, a placeholder for issues on a national level that would affect all commercial river rafting outfitters, depending on how the issue swayed. We chose, as an Outfitter Association, Middle Fork Outfitter Association, we chose not to join the uh, lawsuit from CROA, from the Colorado River Outfitter Association, uh, pertaining to the minimum wage order that President Biden's administration handed down a couple years ago. Uh, we just decided to let it play out, but we felt like, as a group, we were already paying on par with what the executive order was mandating other people to pay. Um, 
so it wasn't our place to involve ourselves in the lawsuit. I guess I'll just go out and ask like the most direct question. Is there a place for unions in the river guiding industry? I'm a proponent of trade unions. Um, just the way I was raised in the rural Idaho, especially in the timber products industry, unions were very important to protect the interests of those workers. As it pertains to guiding in specific, I have no hesitation in supporting a union if, if there was a union active. Things that would, would come out of unionizing that would be a great benefit to the employee, to the, to the guide. That I know of, there's not any guide unions, whether that be in Idaho or anywhere else, um, in a traditional sense, meaning uh, registered has the right through state and federal law to negotiate, to collectively bargain, things like that. And I don't know of any existing union that would step in to represent the guiding industry. One that comes to mind that could be would be the service employees union. Uh, I might be an oddity. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to other outfitters about this issue, but I don't have hesitation towards it. Um, would I go out and purposely try to set one up? It wouldn't be my place to do so. Um, but if, if my guide crew came to me and said, we're now part of a union, I would say fantastic. And what can we do to work together to make um, guiding and therefore outfitting uh, more sustainable in the long run and better for our guests who are our clients who are ultimately paying our all of our wages. You know, from the industry perspective, leaders, uh, business owners tend to not like unions because as groups of employees join forces to, to, to negotiate better wages, prices have to go up. And there's always going to be a lag between when the when the employees' compensation elevates and when the product's price can rise to take up, you know, the difference for the uh, owner, the business owner. But it always evens out. Um, and it's just a matter of making sure both parties understand that growing at the same rate is what needs to happen for everybody to be better. Um, I, I think there's one, you know, the connotation of a union automatically goes to strikes. So that, that would be a devastating situation. You know, June, June, June 20th is here. We're fully in the throes of our busy season. And for whatever reason, a strike is called. Well, our industry stops. There's no way for us to take those people down the river. Should the employee pool decide they're going to not work. Um, but I think it's, it's the fear of that in my mind is minimal as long as owners and, uh, outfitters are working in good faith with the employees. In this case, it would be a union to meet each other's needs. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I think the idea of a strike would be, it's hard to imagine how that would work effectively because, you know, something, something like an airline or like all the airlines or railroad industries where the customer can't just go somewhere else in river in the river industry. Well, if the, if the, all the guides in Idaho are striking or even in all the West, well, they can still go mountain biking and they can still go do something else. And there's a lot more consumer choice in terms of what they can do, spend their time recreating with. Once we all realize that the discrepancy in wage between what folks 
we're running multi-day river trips do in certain parts of the country compared to the folks who are conducting day trips. I think there's a bigger wage discrepancy in those two sort of subsects of outfitting and guiding. So would it be better if there was more of an alignment, a minimum wage, so to speak? Um, well, that's what the Biden administration was attempting to do with their executive order. Yeah, like on the on the Middle Fork, Maine Salmon, the idea that uh, we would be getting paid a lot more is harder to reason than than if you were a day guide, potentially not making anything for the first few weeks or month. That seems like a much lower hanging fruit for someone that's like, okay, this this we need to figure this out and we need to work together through a union to make this better. Whereas on the Middle Fork, you like everybody can mostly agree that we're getting paid pretty good for the work we're doing. Feel free to not answer if, if this would put you in a weird spot, but uh, what percent do you think of the uh, Middle Fork Outfitters would support some sort of organization uh, union for for Middle Fork guides? I, I can say that there's definitely outfitters that would be sort of in line with my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say it that way. We think the same. Um, the, the outfitters, to be honest with you, haven't haven't addressed guide unions. It's not something we talk about. Um, I don't think any of us have a great fear that it's going to happen. And then more so the, the people who think my way is, is even if it did happen, we don't have a great fear that would, that it would impact our businesses so severely that something, you know, needed to happen in terms of doubling our prices or, you know, putting the industry in jeopardy of, of, of even being able to operate anything like that. I, I do know that there's outfitters amongst our group um, who would not be interested in it based on bigger picture things, more uh, um, ideological thinking as a as bigger than just the outfitting industry um, would be people who just in general don't support unions. The Idaho Education Association, which is the strongest union in the state of Idaho right now, or really any other union for that matter. So. Idaho is a great example of the difficulty in forming a union like you're talking about. We've identified and we both agree that guides, through whatever reason, their personalities is going to make it difficult to form a union to start with. And so you're not going to get 100% buy-in. That's just the fact of the matter. And then you're talking about an industry that, from a labor standpoint, is typically categorized as a seasonal endeavor and so labor rules on a federal level tend to be a little different than it is if it was a 12-month job if that makes sense and then you run in then you run into each states have their own laws rules and regulations um, pertaining to unions and idaho as an example and i can't remember what exact year it was the late 1980s early 1990s voted to become a right-to-work state. And so from a legal perspective, unions don't have as much power as they once did enshrined in state code. Going back to the fear anyone has with unions, and that is a strike, legally speaking, I can hire what are known as scabs. Whereas a state, a strong union state, that would not be legal. But in Idaho, that is legal. I can't say about Colorado other states that have big guiding and outfitting industries, um, that would be something to look into as well. That was Dustin Ahern. After the last break, 
one guide turned outfitter helps her new employees with healthcare. We'll also hear from a guide who turned insurance agent and how you might get better and cheaper health insurance. This episode is sponsored by the Denver area Nissan dealers. Right now I'm driving my Nissan Frontier long bed, four door full cab with a camper shell up and out of the Salt River Canyon in Arizona on top of the Mogollon Rim. Got three dudes in the truck. We got a truck bed full of our gear. We're pulling a trailer with three boats and we are cruising uphill. This thing is so solid and so steady with its nine gears. Great transmission, great shifting, really steady. We're on slippery roads, climbing uphill with traffic, lots of loads, super safe, super strong, really comfortable. You can find your Denver area Nissan dealers online at www.nissanusa.com. This episode is also sponsored by several local businesses at the Dolores River. If you are coming to the Dolores River this season, I personally invite you to these local shops in Cortez and Dolores, Colorado. We have excellent places for you. High Desert Life Outdoors in Cortez is a full gear shop with river gear and a used gear exchange. They have wag bags, shoes, dry bags, straps, all of your last minute needs. See Jeff in Cortez. Dolores Outfitters is a gas station and outdoor rental store in Dolores. They have all sorts of camping gear, stoves and fuel, straps, and backcountry meals. Come see Katie in Dolores. Kelly's Kitchen in Dolores has the best coffee, breakfast burritos, full meals for breakfast and lunch. See Kelly in Dolores. Wild Edge Brewing Collective in Cortez has an extensive tap list with most of the beers brewed in-house. All in-house beers are brewed by a fellow river runner. They also serve food on a rotating menu. Go see Tucker in Cortez. Thanks for shopping local and supporting our economy here at the Dolores River. There are links to all of their businesses in the show notes. And tell them the River Radius sent you. Act 3. What it looks like for an outfitter on the Ocoee River to take on their workers' health care. For reference, the Ocoee flows northwest from northern Georgia into Tennessee. Hey, Greg. Hi, how's it going? Hey, going pretty good. Um, so you're going to help me fact check this a little bit. Is that okay? Yeah, happy to. So my name is Sarah Beth. Um, I've been on the Ocoee for eight years now. Last year uh, in August, I um, finally managed to pull the trigger and buy the company that I've worked for this whole time. And uh, one of my biggest focuses was trying to find a way to provide health insurance. Rafting is kind of a break-even business unless you've got something else going on. And our company in particular was ran by kind of an outsider, kind of a corporate suit sort of dude who was definitely just in it to take as much profit as possible. So um, pay raise, raises didn't happen. We were pretty far behind in that. Guide housing was a moral atrocity, to be honest. Um, and just overall living and working conditions were not ideal. Uh, so that was the reason that I bought it. Um, this is my home. These are the people I've spent my entire adult life with. And I wanted to make this place better and ultimately put pressure on other companies to do the same. The control that a rafting company has over the quality of life of the people who work here is so much more intense than any other industry. Um, and I feel like that means that we have a bigger responsibility to do a good job. We, we especially on the Okoe, don't. Um, the Ocoee is one of the cheapest rivers to go rafting on uh, because there are 22 companies out here. We sort of all undercut each other to death. And so the price is like 
enough for a company to break even if it underpays its guides really aggressively. So that is a another issue to tackle for another day, but was really looking for health insurance and a way to make it happen. Um, Carrie um, applied to work here, applied to come be a raft guide. And uh, we kind of got to talking about, you know, what she did. And um, to be really honest, I was super skeptical because it's almost one of those things that sounds like too good to be true. Um, and that feels like our biggest barrier to entry as far as getting this to spread river wide. So what I did was I was like, all right, well, you know, we'll do my health insurance first. And that way I can figure out if it's a scam, then it's just my identity getting stolen, not the whole companies or whatever. But um, I went through the process with her. It was super easy, super smooth. She was incredibly professional. Um, I didn't know out of the gate that she was like a licensed you know, health insurance agent until we got started on this process. And then my health insurance went through great and I used it and had no issues whatsoever. Then I signed up, you know, a couple of my uh, coworkers that I knew really well, um, sent them through the process to see how that went. And it went great. So we ended up throwing a big party and wrangling all the guides from guide housing and uh, getting them to go through it. And we have a whole company that has health insurance now, and I'm absolutely thrilled with it. Getting other companies to sign on the people who know me really well and trust me really well. Like they show up, we're throwing, you know, taco and beer parties, uh, on the back deck of OAR just to sign up raft guides. And, um, some of them have been super down, super excited and ready to go, but other ones are kind of skeptical. I feel like if you walk up to someone and you're like, Hey, free health insurance, then they're going to be like, you know, what's the, what's the catch? What's the hook? That doesn't really make any sense, but, um, I don't know. It worked for us and it worked for, everyone else that carries put through this system so we'll come back to sarah near the end before that let's get caught up on insurance with carrie soulier my name is carrie soulier i am a licensed life and health insurance agent and the owner of brokerage covered with carrie a life and health insurance agency that specializes in low income and self-employed individuals under the age of 65. i met the river through online dating I met somebody and he said, do you want to go have some fun? And I said, yes. And I had never been whitewater rafting. I lived in West Virginia for nearly four years. Never even knew what the golly was there. So I showed up on the upper golly for my first trip and it was amazing. There's no words for the way I felt. I just inner peace. I remember somebody asked me if I was okay because I hadn't said a word in almost an hour. And I was just like, this is the best day of my life. And I was just hooked. I loved the river and it taught me so much and it really gave me the drive to open my own business. My agency has been focusing lately on ensuring the guides on the Ocoee River. I insured them and immediately saw the coverage come into play. There was the most interesting river injury I've ever heard of in my life. I... I don't even know how to describe it, but it was the first day that someone had coverage that I had written for him. And I realized this is a true need in our community. There's people walking around without health insurance that need it. Most people in the community do not. And that's really directed me towards focusing on the community that I hang out in, that I am a part of, that I can help the people that matter to me. So I had met Sarah a few times. We'd never really talked. We didn't know each other, but we had met each other face to face. And then we connected over Facebook. I was looking for a job guiding. All I knew is I wanted to work in a female inclusive environment. And Sarah and I chatted and I decided to come here. She had asked me to help with her own personal health insurance. She didn't think she had the right coverage for what she needed. She took a medication. She went to fill it at the beginning of the year. It was so expensive. 
so I immediately said, yeah, let's take a look. And we just changed her plan to a different plan that covered the medication. I gave her a coupon to make it even cheaper. And she said, I didn't know there's people that did this for a job. I, she had said she'd been helping people figure out how to get health insurance, but she didn't really know anything about it and asked me if I would help her company with insurance. She wanted to do a group plan and I explained why that wasn't the right decision. Group plans are not for seasonal employees generally. It's too expensive once you factor in COBRA and all of those things. But I have presented her with a different option where the guides could have their own individual plan that they could take with them. They didn't need to worry about it belonging to the outfitter they were at for the season. It was theirs to do with what they wanted. It gave them the flexibility to choose what was important to them. So I sat down with just the employees of OAR first and we did insurance for them got them covered. It was the last day of the month. She went and wrangled them at their cabins and brought them to me one by one and said, sit down. And we wrote them insurance. And the very next day it was used. The day after that, someone else called me for help. They needed to find an urgent care to use their insurance at. Is this different in some fundamental way than choosing a policy through healthcare.gov? It is exactly the same. You just have an individual with a license to help you make an educated and informed decision to make sure your applications filled out correctly so that you get the correct subsidy. A lot of times the application can be confusing and you can hit a box incorrectly so that you may not get the full subsidy you deserve. And if you do fill out your application correctly and you get to the end, there's hundreds and hundreds of plans. Multiples may cost zero dollars. One of them could be fantastic and one of them could be terrible. They might put the terrible plan at the top of the page. If you don't have an insurance license, you don't necessarily know what you're looking at. It's hard to make an educated decision for your health care. I'm giving people the opportunity to have someone guide them and be there for them throughout the year so that if they need help with their health insurance, they have somebody accessible. Um, I do like to note that I am paid a small monthly commission by the carrier. It's the same amount whether you choose a free plan or a $1,000 a month plan. It's the same amount. So I'm just there to help you make an educated and informed decision. I'm a chronically ill individual. Um, I have major medical bills in my life. I worked for corporate America for years because I thought I needed health insurance, that I couldn't manage health care on my own until I became an insurance agent. And I learned. I take a medication that costs $1,000 a month. I pay $15 a month for it. I see its practical application in my own life. Um, And it is something that can absolutely help someone. I had someone sit down and do health insurance with me a couple weeks ago that said, I haven't had health insurance in 10 years. I am so excited to go talk to someone about my Crohn's disease. And that's really the fact of the matter in this industry and in this community is people just live with problems when there is an easy solution. Is the service you provide, is it generally available to people? And if not, like, why why not? So this service is available to people. There are multiple agents across the country that help enroll in healthcare. I would not say there's a majority of insurance agents that help enroll in healthcare. We are a small group. It's just really the concept of, I don't know, if you've seen during open enrollment, you'll see all the ads on the internet or on TV saying go to healthcare.gov, it's open enrollment, enroll now. The fact is people in this community qualify for year-round enrollment. 
They don't need to wait until September to have health insurance. They can have it now while they're hitting the river. Because people under 150% federal poverty line don't need to enroll at the end of the year. They can enroll at any time. So it's really an opportunity for them to just take advantage of it. I never went into this industry thinking I was going to sell health insurance to my friends in the community that I hang out with on the weekends. Wasn't my plan. I've been a health insurance agent for five years. Can you describe um, like the average plan that you help facilitate versus I'm sure a lot of guys listening are on Medicaid in some form or another. Um, Can you describe how your plans that you set up for them are different or the same as something like Medicaid? Yeah, absolutely. So Medicaid is government insurance. It is ran by the federal and state level. The insurance is free. There's generally no cost to it. There's generally no cost to doctor visits or anything like that. You do have to certify your income quarterly. You have to stay in communication with the Department of Health and Human Services or whatever the name for it is in your state. And you have to continue to manage that throughout the year. The insurance cannot go out of state with you. It is used in state. In comparative, plansoffhealthcare.gov, though they can be free based on income and for most in the community they are, they are individual policies that have explanations of benefits and coverages. That means you can choose your own doctors, you can manage your care, you can expect your plan to, you can know what it will include. I'm pulling up a plan right now that is just the standard plan that people in the ACOE community have been selecting right now just to give you an idea. And this plan has a $0 deductible, $1,700 out-of-pocket max, primary care is free, specialists are $10, preventative care is free, urgent care is $5, physical therapy is free. So it includes a lot of things that are really important, but there are some out-of-pocket costs, but you you already know what they are so you can plan for them. The important thing to remember is a lot of these plans are able to be used in other states. We take that into consideration. We have a conversation about what your life looks like, where you're going, so that we can pick a plan that works for you in both states or possibly make a plan to change your plan to one in the state you're moving to if it's not going to work for you in that direction. But it's really a way to customize your health care to go with you. Do you have a do you have a general sense of like, you know, if you, if in Montana, if I pull up healthcare.gov, I see the providers, the insurance providers that I can go with in Montana. Um, do you have kind of a general sense of which ones I mean, they're not all equal, right, in quality or um, kind of like shady <laughs> insurance-ness. Uh, do you have kind of a sense of which ones are better than others based on your experience? I do. Let me just go ahead and pull up a Montana zip code real quick so that we can use that. And I see the carriers are Blue Cross Blue Shield, Mountain Health Cooperative, and Pacific Source Health Plans. For the vast majority of individuals in Montana, I do recommend Blue Cross Blue Shield because it has the widest provider and they also offer PPO plans. PPO plans are an open network, which means you can use your benefits wherever you like. They do cover at a lower amount if you go out of network, but that's really great for individuals in more remote areas. Do you work with unions at all? I have the ability to work with unions. I don't currently have any union clients, but I have a vast amount of experience with group health. There are no unions on the ACOE. There's two owners associations. And I think 
a union would really support the furthering of a relationship there. If guides on the Ocoee or the Middle Fork of the Salmon came to you and said, we're forming a union, should we go group plan or individual? Uh, what would your answer be to that? I would say I would have to conduct a full risk assessment before I can make the determination what's the correct route for them. Uh, health insurance is an individual basis that needs to be evaluated and considered fully. Just like going down the river does, you have to do your risk assessment at the beginning and decide what direction you're going to go. And that's really an individual conversation. I would fully support that conversation. I think there's many situations a group plan would make sense. A class two or three river where there's low injury on the employees, that would absolutely make sense. Now, if we're talking about the golly, that might not make sense. The most important time to get health insurance is before you need it, especially since so many of us are eligible for free or nearly low co no cost insurance. On average, the people that pay for insurance pay less than $10 a month and have dental and vision. And having someone that can just help you through that process so you don't need to worry about it is amazing. The people that have helped always say, I can't believe how easy that was. It only took 15 minutes. Taking 15 minutes out of your life to transfer all of your risk to an insurance company so that you don't need to worry about medical bills out having fun is so important. And it is easy. So just have a conversation. There's so many people around the country. I'd love to help you, but there's many people everywhere that are, can help you with your health insurance. And that's the most important thing is to make sure you have coverage. Thank you, Carrie. Okay, back to Sarah for a few final thoughts. What did this cost you in terms of like time or money? You know, what did this process cost you to switch? So I expected uh, this to be a pretty decent chunk of change. I was prepared as a company to offer Rathguide health insurance. I had the company card ready to go whenever Carrie sat down with everyone and did their meetings. And then guide after guide after guide went through this process and signed up. And like we, we talked about like their monthly payment and most of them were free. And then some of them that weren't free were like under a dollar a month. And I almost sort of felt redundant trying to, you know, offer to, to cover this because Carrie just had it taken care of. Um, Time investment was very minimal on my part. Um, I didn't have to manage anything or do anything. She just showed up and she sets her own meetings, sets up her own, you know, parties and events, um, deals with all of that stuff. Uh, the guides, it takes them 15, 20 minutes max. They just got to sit in front of her, answer some questions. They breeze through, they walk out with insurance. Their insurance cards arrive in the mail, you know, a little bit later. So next to nothing. And it, it feels and seems unbelievable, but it, it really is like... And they're all kind of on different plans. It's not, right? It's, not, it's just individual. So it's whatever works for each one of them. Yeah, exactly. It's all individual. Most of us wound up with the same plan just because we're all kind of the similar age medical history. But does this service that Carrie has helped you with, does that kind of alleviate the need for guides to try and figure out some sort of group safety net in terms of like retirement or healthcare and all these benefits that we hope to have as employees of any company. Yeah. Um, so this conversation is definitely get me in trouble, but that's all right. It's good. It's a good <laughs> kind. Um, kicked out of the Outfitters Association for sure. But uh, so I think that Carrie's product plan system, uh, whatever you want to call it, I think that's going to help a ton. I think that will alleviate the biggest concern for raft guides. Whether or not it fixes all the problems, especially on the Okoe, I don't necessarily agree. Uh, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about unions, which is pretty surprising. Um, a lot of Okoe 
you know, raft guides are progressive sort of folks. So I figured that that would be more discussed. I talked about it a little bit last year with some folks and, you know, it was sort of just like, Hey, this would be a cool thing. And then that was the end of that. And now I bought the company. So I'm in kind of a strange position. We actually had a weird conversation last night where it was like, can an owner start a union? And we started Googling it. And I think that no, an owner can't start a union. <laughs> the conflict of interest and the other stuff would be would be all kinds of weird. Um, so it's a concept and idea that I'm in support of, but I don't think for multiple reasons that I can now lead the charge on. Um, so I'm just focusing on making my guides here lives better and doing the absolute best I can by them, raising my own personal prices in hopes that the market will kind of you know, go to meet me there so that way we can start pricing our products appropriately so that way we don't rely on the underpaid labor of our community. I do feel like our biggest barrier to entry is that, you know, this solution seems like it is too good to be true. And so whenever I post things like on all the raft guide pages that I'm a part of, people send me text messages that are like, have you been hacked? And I'm like, no, dude, this has been a massive problem. And Carrie is a almost unbelievably perfect solution to it. That makes it hard for us to get people signed on because it's almost unbelievably perfect. But if we can, it is real. Um, all of our guides have health insurance and are in much safer and happier places in life because of it. If, you know, we can just use that credibility to spread this across the river and across, you know, all the rivers, that would just be such a game changer for our industry. And I think that we need help doing that. That was Sarah Beth Neal from Akoe Adventure Rafting. If you want OAR to pay for your health insurance this summer, they're still hiring guides. You can find them at akoe.com. That's O-C-O-E-E.com. You can find Carrie at coveredwithcarrie.com. Thanks to Sarah, Carrie, BC Rimbo, and Dustin Ahern for talking with me today links to everything in the show notes a river guide size thank you goes out to all of our guests today and to our contributing host greg cairns you can learn more about greg's work as a filmmaker via links in the show notes also in the show notes are links to our guests and their companies and other relevant material on today's topic and if you are looking for health insurance for yourself or your river guides at your company carrie can help you in all 50 states we have a link to her calendar to get you started Today's sponsors are the Denver area Nissan dealers and the Dolores area businesses. We have links for all of the sponsors in our show notes. Here at the River Radius, our social media expert is Samantha Sice. Today's music is composed and performed by Gene Reiniger. Be in touch anytime. Hello at theriverradius.com. Thanks so much for joining the River Radius. Rafting is kind of a break-even business. We voted to join the Teamsters. She went and wrangled them at their cabins and brought them to me one by one and said, sit down. I might be an oddity. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to other outfitters about this. 